If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 451 for Bungie Day, July 7th, 2020. Ryan McCaffrey joined by the usual crew. Hello, Destin Legary. You're back. Bam! There it is. We missed it. Uh, Welcome back from your summer of gaming, behind the scenes, Wizard of Oz, man behind the curtain, exile. I'm rested. I'm ready for the BAMs. I'm ready for the Xbox showcase coming up. We're going to talk about a lot of good stuff today. It is a busy week. It's going to be a good podcast. Miranda Sanchez, hello. (coughs) I see. uh, Tell me again, what's your skeleton's name? Her name is Lorelai. She's looking out the window right now. Uh, and then she has a little Pikachu on her shoulder because it's it's a terrified Pikachu. So I figured it was fitting. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a like a it's the like a bird, you know, a parrot on a pirate's shoulder. Yeah, Thank exactly. <laughs> Ren and Tyrell, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I am good. So uh, it is July 7th, which means it's Bungie Day, the unofficial day, because if you're not familiar Bungie, make, original makers of Halo and current makers of Purveyors of Destiny. Go, it goes Who? back further than that. Yeah, I know, right, Destin? <laughs> goes back further than that. I mean, Destin, I should really let you explain this. It's a marathon. And, but Bungie is obsessed with the number seven, Destin. Mm-hmm. And today's 7-7. Seven, seven. It's Bungie Day. Yeah, that's it. So uh, <laughs> they just like to mark the occasion by doing fun, community-driven stuff. And uh, yeah, is there anything going on in Destiny today, Destin? uh i mean today is reset day in destiny so there's a ton of stuff happening in the game that happened at 10 o'clock i haven't had a chance to dive in yet because we're recording at 11 30 and you know work stuff so yeah uh here's what deeds one of the community managers said uh remember guardians bungie day is a celebration of you not us today is about community let's all give a shout out to another player who has enriched our favorite pastime with teamwork and friendship clan leader raid sherpa someone with a spacious crucible backpack go and that's uh that's his call to action for the day and yeah mostly it's just about uh spreading spreading happiness within the community today it's a good message uh yeah i guess i, I every year on this day i like to promote something I did a long time ago, which turns out is still kind of a rare thing. 
So Jason Jones is one of the co-founders of Bungie, and he he actually sort of really is the kind of Wizard of Oz man behind the curtain uh, at Bungie, where he's like the creative guru, the sort of the, the creative engine for for that whole studio. And he does not, he is super private. He doesn't like doing interviews, doesn't like being on camera, and he never does that. And uh, seven years ago, fitting, seven years ago, uh, he did agree to an interview, his first one in what at the time had been 11 years. And I got to do that interview. And we we went to, I remember it was, it was at E3. It was after the Microsoft conference where they had announced the $500 price point. And we're on the, I remember on the way over, we were all like, oh no. Uh, but I had a great, great time. It was an interview over breakfast with Jason Jones. And to that point, Bungie, uh, Destiny rather, wasn't out. So it was really a lot of old Halo stories. So if you would like to go see that, it's still pretty evergreen. It's it's one of the things I'm proudest of in my time at IGN, just because he's such a he's such a rare get. Uh, you could, I guess, best way to find it's just Google IGN Jason Jones Bungie, and you'll you'll probably <laughs> turn it up. It's uh, it's three parts. It's how long it is. All right. Well, we do have a lot of news to talk about this week, Miranda. I want to start with you. We've got a date for the Xbox Games Showcase. Yay! I'm so excited. We're going to see it on July 23rd at 9 a.m. PT, 12 p.m. ET. So soon-ish, kind of. Soon, coming <laughs> sooner, up. Sooner than we think, because these days go by surprisingly fast. It, it, weird, it is weird how that goes, isn't it? Even though we're not leaving our houses, it's <laughs> the days fly by. But uh, yeah, so we're going to be, it'll be this crew. We're going to do full unlocked pre and post show. Uh, so stick with us. It's just going to be like a live entire day of Unlocked. Uh, we'll get started. I don't know. I don't think we've set our start time in the morning yet, but the uh, it's 9 a.m. Pacific is when the actual stream starts. 12 p.m. That's noon Eastern time. So join us for a pre-show and then um, more fun than that's going to be the immediate reactions on the post-show afterwards. So that'll be a live episode of Unlocked. I've said it before, I think this is the single most important event in the history of Xbox, given that where we are and, and where everything has led up to this. I mean, this is the, cul- like, do you guys disagree? I mean, this is the culmination of everything they've been building towards for the last few years. Brandon? I- <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure who was going to. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I realized I forgot. I forgot to call on people to avoid uh, name name before question. <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta stick to the plan. Uh, I totally agree with you. I, I think this is, if not the most important one, then certainly like top three, right? Because there are now expectations. Yeah. Um, Microsoft has to recapture market share. They've got a new console, which is once again the underdog, a position that Microsoft has, has been in before. Um, but now you know this is what the third. Yeah, third generation under their belt, moving into the fourth one. Right. So their expectations are sky high. People want to see what they're doing. And all the good work Microsoft has been doing for the last five years, I think, is going to either be made or broken based on sort of their how far they lean into games. And, and, and this show on the 23rd is certainly going to be the place to introduce those games. Destin, do you think before we're going to so we're going to do our roundtable predictions because this basically this is their E3 showcase. So normally every year we would do our prediction show where we'll go, we'd go round robin style and everybody makes predictions. Before we get to that, Destin, do you think that we'll get a price and or release date for the Series X at this event? Well, we know it's the holiday for the release window. Um, 
Do we get a price? Yeah, you know what? Sure. Yeah, we're gonna get the <laughs> price. I'm just I'm just gonna gonna play along and say, yeah, we'll get it. And I think I think people are gonna be pleasantly surprised. I think people be will be happy with the price point. Uh, I. I I don't know that I agree that this is their most important event ever. I think yeah. there's still a lot of runway for them to really wow people. But to, to Brandon's point, they are seen as the underdog. The constant criticism is they don't have enough uh, interesting IPs. And Sony has done a fantastic job of really, really nailing the the tone that people seem to be looking for with games like Horizon Zero Dawn, Last of Us 2. Um the new God of War, like the the re-envisioning of that. And people really see them as the market leader in, in games that tell stories like the, the ones that I mentioned. And it would be great to see Xbox come out with some new IPs that hit that tone. Hopefully that's now, but I think if they were to do it a little bit further down the line, I don't think that would be harmful to them. Yeah, I mean, we know we've, we've got monthly beats to look forward to. They're not necessarily all going to be big monthly live stream showcases. We got one in May. We didn't get one in June. We will get one in July. And we talked about on last week's show, which Destin wasn't here for. Uh, we got uh, the August rumor about Lockhart being being shown off uh, in August. So, And then who knows from there what September will look like and then, and then whether or not the console's out in October or whether there's another inside Xbox, you know, Xbox 2020 beat. And then, and then it's out in November, or if the thing's just out. So, still, uh, still, you're right, Destin. A lot of runway left to to wow people. But for now, this is the big event, July. Uh, we'll go around. Normally, we'd kind of go one at a time, but I think for the since we're not all together in the studio, and it's a little uh, a little more <laughs> annoying to to try and do it round robin style. We're just going to go person by person. So, Miranda, would you care cool. to dump? all of your predictions on us at once. What do you think we're going to see? What's going to happen on July 23rd? So I'm going to kind of lead with some wild things because we were, we were tasked with writing down our predictions and I didn't want to overlap too much with the things that we know are going to be there. So I was like, I'm going to go a little bit more toward left field and see what we can do. Right. Uh, so it wouldn't be me if I didn't say a Fusion Frenzy reboot. <laughs> I actually do really want to them to showcase some sort of like really awesome party game or something that's like just fun for a lot of like a, a kind of a wider audience, right? I think there's still a space there. And I've talked about this before, how like it is a really fun thing to have to like enjoy with your family. I mean, if we just go back and even look at the Wii, like obviously that was part of the success was because it was something that had such an approachable design and I think launch with like Wii Sports and things that were just like easy for people to get into. And I think having something like that at launch is, is really valuable. Uh, also, I just love you, Frenzy, so I'm going to say it every time. <laughs> uh, so that aside, this is the game showcases. It's not just first party, although obviously there's going to be a huge focus on first party, as there should be. Um, but I think we will definitely see a big third party games reel of games that are existing, especially games as a service, that we've already heard about, uh, but maybe get a tease at what they could look like on next gen. I think they're going to look mostly the same, but maybe, maybe there'll be some sort of surprise for us there. So like, what if... I think they, they kind of have to keep parity with the other ones, right? So it's not like Fortnite's going to get some graphical boost with next gen that makes it look different from the current gen because I think that's it gives an inherent advantage to anybody playing on the next gen stuff against people playing crossplay with current gen stuff. Uh, that's up for debate. But uh, I do think we'll see like something like Fortnite 
at the event in that reel, just like a compare, like a, a little check mark, but like, hey, yeah, we still have these. Like these are coming. Like obviously we've said it before, but I think it's really important for them to keep reiterating those sorts of things because not everyone keeps them with the news as much as we do. And then apparently I only can talk about games that start with an F. So the third one I would say would be Fallout. However, I think a lot of the Bethesda stuff is just going to kind of be quiet for now. Uh, the latest follow news we did here was the Amazon Prime show, which is really cool. But I don't think they would show anything at these showcases for that. I think Bethesda is still going to keep the things close to the chest. Uh, obviously, they showed some stuff with uh, Sony for Deathloop and... What's the other one? Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. I was like, Tokyo, but where's the Tokyo in the title? <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. So those have already been shown. So I think that was kind of Bethesda making their third party kind of commitment to some one of the shows. Uh, so I think that's kind of off the table. Fallout just exists as its own space. All the scrolls online. I don't want to hear about it. But, you know, <laughs> you never know. So those are kind of my loose other predictions before we get into the other big first party stuff that we know we're going to see like maybe uh another f game uh fable fable tease maybe all right uh brandon tyrell i'm gonna go your way next what do you say my friend what are you looking for what do you think we're going to see at this thing so looking at your guys's notes in the doc uh <laughs> i didn't realize that this was a bullet point assignment and i wrote a small <laughs> essay so that's okay in I saw this it essay i will demonstrate how <laughs> Uh, my thoughts on the Xbox Showcase Align. So, uh, you know, should I just read it? I think I should just read it. You do you, my friend. Whatever works. It's a podcast. Okay, my thoughts My thoughts on the July 30, uh, 23rd event. Um, I fully expect this to be the Halo Infinite and Hellblade 2 show uh, with deeper dives and gameplay reveals for both. Haven't seen anything from Infinite. We got a really, really awesome cinematic teaser. Um, those are both sort of known quantities now for Microsoft. So I, I expect them to do full on like 10, 15 minute deep dives into each of the games. Um, <clears throat> but I also expect we'll uh, probably get a nod to the Fable, the Fable rumored to be, you know, in development of Playground Second Studio. Um, I also think we'll see more Everwild and Grounded from Obsidian. I think we'll get both of those. Uh, Everwild is probably a ways out, but I imagine we'll get a, another little tease and Grounded is, you know, basically here already you so can play it yeah, it was yeah up. yeah it's part of the xbox preview program so i imagine we'll get another like flavor dose of that game <clears throat> um but i don't think i think it's still too early to uh see anything from obsidian's rumored uh rpg team right like that that big triple a game that's been rumored to be in development with them i don't think that's i don't think that's for this show i, I think microsoft uh i'm hoping microsoft doesn't pull things out of the oven before they're ready um, because that is a great way to sort of blow all your clout ahead of time if it's not as impressive as you want it to be. So, um, and while I think to that regard, while I think the initiative is, you know, hard at work on whatever their quadruple A game is going to be, um, I still think it's too early for a full reveal. So my guess would be that we're going to get um, something along the lines of, <laughs> I hope it's not, but I'm guessing we're going to get some sort of Metro Metroid Prime logo reveal, <laughs> uh, or if they're not ready to give the logo, I'm guessing we're going to see one of those like EA Star Wars sizzle reels with developers furiously scribbling on digital pads and talking about how, you know, their philosophy as a development studio, something that they already did on, what was it, the Inside Xbox uh, in, was that, was that May or was that earlier? I don't know. They, for, they, for which game? For the initiative. 
Oh, they, talk, they talked about like their philosophy of you know game development and the talent involved in it. So um, I imagine we'll get something like that, or maybe like the high highest level details possible. But I don't think we're looking at a full reveal for that, which bums me out. But you know, um, it brings me on to my next point that I do think we are going to see some new IPs. I think Microsoft um, appropriately has some cards up their sleeves that they haven't really revealed or shown yet. Um, so I'm expecting, I'm not saying they're going to be huge blockbuster tentpole games, but I do think we're going to see some games that nobody knew existed before. Um, let's see, where did, where did I continue with my thoughts? Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously to Miranda's point as well, this is going to highlight their first party stuff, but I think we're also going to see some third party stuff too. So I imagine we'll see more medium, um, that cool Silent Hill-esque game, um, that we saw, uh, two months ago, in May, uh, yeah. maybe see some more Second Extinction or or some third party next gen games, and potentially um, we might see like a big marketing related. Uh, I guess what would you call that? The marketing deal, um, potentially Call of Duty, though that one seems a little far fetched to me because Activision, you know, is fully capable of throwing their own you know world class events around their big temple products. But I would not be surprised to see like a something along the lines of a call of duty or, or like a really ubiquitous third party franchise annualized franchise. Maybe, maybe we get another deep dive on Madden um, since EA is already gone and we didn't see a whole lot of next gen gameplay. Uh, I also think, you know, I would have, I would have thrown my hat in the more Assassin's Creed ring, but the fact that Ubisoft has a show coming up, they might save their cards or they might save all their info and uh, play their cards closer to their chest for that one. Um, and lastly, I, I know we're really talking about games, but you know Microsoft does have one clear advantage right now between the two consoles, and that's its services. It's got world-class services. Honestly, you, I'm not going to say it's undeniable that Xbox is better because it's my opinion and everyone, everyone is free to disagree with me, but between Game Pass, Xbox Live, Xbox, you know, Game Pass Ultimate, xCloud, you know, their server banks, like everything that they have, I, I really do think that Microsoft is in a position of dominance in the servers or in the services arena. And I think this is probably their last chance to really kind of hammer that nail on the head um, ahead of their console uh, reveals in August, which I think to Destin's point, I think we're going to get a price uh, in August when they announce the Lockhart as well. Yeah. I forgot um, to, oh, sorry, ahead. can I uh, just on your note, I was going to say, I think they will also tease the Series S. Because I think because it's all related, it's like, also, you're going to need something to play these on. Like, stay tuned in August for our full reveal of, like, the price and all that good stuff. So I think that's going to also agree. We'll be in August. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like these different schools of thought here. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, I like I like the differing opinions to see. Because, yeah, there's... I, yeah, uh, I don't. Did you mean Call of Duty specifically, Brandon? Because I don't. I'm not sure how long their PlayStation deal, or are you just start talking the caliber of Call of Duty, something like, like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, like I said, I think it's far fetched to assume Activision would reveal their tent, their their marquee franchise on a third party event because we've seen in the past Activision is really capable of renting out a warehouse hangar near the Berlin right. airport and just flying everybody in, in to check yeah. it out. Yeah. Done it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Been there, um, done that. So yeah, something along that caliber. Like I, I was, I was actually racking my brain trying to think of a good third party game that we don't really know anything about. Um, Call of Duty, like I said, maybe more Madden though. A lot of those details have already come through. AC Valhalla would have been my, my, um, 
my go-to, but again, Ubisoft's event was probably, they don't want to take the wind out of their own sails, especially based on the reception of the the last footage they showed off. Yeah. yeah, I think think to shore shore my bit up, I know I'm going on a a little long here. Okay. Um, I think this is a show where where Microsoft really does have to convince PlayStation fans that um, it's time to invest in the Xbox ecosystem. I'm not saying as their primary ecosystem, but give them enough reasons to say like, oh crap, now I got to buy an Xbox too. Like that's the, I think that is the, the best case scenario is to earn back some of that market share by offering things that make diehard PlayStation fans think like, oh, I'll probably want to pick up an Xbox to play that as well. Um, Or not even, not even the hardware itself, just get into the ecosystem, right? Like so much of what they do is on PC. I, I, Maybe it's a little hyperbolic to say nobody cares if you buy an Xbox as long as you're in the Microsoft ecosystem. They're treating PC exactly the same as the hardware. So, um, yeah, I, I think those are kind of my loose thoughts on it. Um, I do think we'll see some new IPs revealed. I think we'll see more from Infinite and Hellblade and more on services and a bunch of third-party stuff. Um, I'm most curious to see what exciting surprises come out of their you know, 15 game development studios that they've been purchasing. Um, and I do think it's too soon to see a Microsoft acquires Warner Brothers headline come out of this thing because that's we'll get to that in a minute. But that's going to be a ways yeah. away. Uh, by the way, you're, uh, you're welcome for attending your TED talk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Nice stuff. <laughs> All right, Destin, I want to go your way next. Uh, you've got uh, you've 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 got a lot to follow there from Miranda and Brandon. The floor is yours, my friend. July twenty yeah, third. So What's it going to be? I- I do think that there is this dialogue that I keep hearing in the gaming industry that Xbox is behind or losing or whatever, because we only look at it when compared to Sony, right? Sony clearly has the market share. Yes, Xbox can't catch up there, but they still made like $2.29 billion. If that's losing, I will lose every day, all day. If if your profit margin is $2.29 billion, and they had a record-setting $10 billion gaming year uh, back in 2018, um, Microsoft closes record year with $110 billion in revenue, cruising past Wall Street expectations again. And then uh, the Xbox division specifically generated uh, $10 billion in, av- in revenue. So the idea that they're losing is simply false. Um, Sony is doing better, but, extra- but Xbox and Microsoft is not doing poorly. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I definitely want to clear. As for the, as for the show itself... I think it's going to focus on Halo for the majority of the show. They are doing this every month leading up to launch, so they need tentpole topics to talk about for the duration of their broadcast. And they tried the the smorgasbord thing last time. It didn't go over well. I think they're going to focus in on Halo. They can talk about each different mode for a 10-minute segment, right? Because we know there's going to be several different modes. They could explore just the open world for half an hour. They could just do gameplay for half an hour, right? And that would be enough to fill. And if they need interstitials to sort of pad out the presentation, they could do teasers for their upcoming properties that'll be seen at future shows. And I I think that would be a really, really interesting way to uh, grab the interest of the viewer and, you know, keep them invested throughout this this runway into holiday season so now, almost, if they did, a, almost yeah, a Bethesda kind of thing like what they did with fallout four a few years ago where they they spent like 20 minutes of their 60 minute conference on it 
or when Nintendo literally used all of E3 to talk about one property, Legend of Zelda, and it worked for them. Lots of people tuned in. Lots of people were really interested. And the one thing people have been saying that they don't like about the previous Xbox event is we didn't see gameplay. They're like, all right, you want gameplay? Here's Halo. And here's everything you want to know about Halo in one big conference, right? And they still have that opportunity to sort of tease what else they'll be looking at further down the line. This would be a pretty big departure from how they do things ordinarily, but I think it would be a smart strategy on their part. Love it. Uh, all right. So uh, that leaves me. So I'll, I'll run through my bullet point list here. I, I absolutely I'm 99% sure we're going to that fable in some capacity will be officially announced, whether it's not saying I, I doubt we'll see gameplay of it. But even if it's just a logo, but it's going to happen, maybe we'll get uh, like a, an actual CG teaser. But I, I don't think there's any chance that fable goes officially unrecognized past, <laughs> past July 23rd. It's just. It's been built up too much. It's it's such an uh, an unofficial. It's just the worst kept secret now. That it's time to it's time to announce it. Plus, it would it would go over so well. I mean, how many like if we're if, even as Xbox fans, if we ask ourselves how many times in recent years at the at the Microsoft's E3 press conference have we actually like had that the 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 moment that PlayStation fans seem to get a lot at their press conferences, which is just that like audible cheering. I mean, the the backwards compatibility was definitely that's the most recent one that comes to mind. But about a game, when was the last time you actually cheered like that for a game? Fable, I think, can do that depending on how and and uh, in what capacity they choose to show it. So uh, Double Fine, mo- the most recent acquisition as of now. We'll see how <laughs> we'll see about that. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But um, Double Fine is the we ha- we haven't really heard much from them since they were acquired by Microsoft. I think we'll see a nice gameplay deep dive on Psychonauts Two, which admittedly is not the it's not the biggest game on the planet. It's a it's kind of a you know revival of a cult classic. It's it means something to me. Uh, but I I'm going to go out on a limb. Since uh, Miranda, want, you know, follow Miranda's lead to take take a few uh, few steps out into the unknown on these predictions, and I think we'll also get the teaseriest of teases. Just gonna say it, Banjo Three. There, I did it. <laughs> the double fine's gonna take gonna take it on because Rare's busy. Brandon, you mentioned Everwild. They've got Sea of Thieves that they're still still making and supporting. So um, I, I'm gonna say it. Tim Schafer is gonna take over one of the cool old rare properties and it's going to be banjo. Uh, I do think we'll get the initiatives game and I do think it's going to be perfect dark. I know Brandon, you and I continue to, we're on opposite sides of the fence on that it's one. Fine. It's fine. Uh, and, and it's going to be, I'm fascinated either way. Like if it's a new IP, great. I'm curious to see what that is, but I, I just feel like perfect dark makes a lot of sense. So I think that will be officially acknowledged. Uh, and now the thing about obsidian is they're one of the only couple of uh, companies that have been uh, officially confirmed for this event by Microsoft. It's mm-hmm. Halo Infinite. It's uh, I Double think Fine. It's, thank you, Double Fine. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, they said Obsidian will be there. So yes, it could just be Grounded. No disrespect to Grounded, but that's a thing <laughs> we've already seen and again have played. But I think we will find out what the Pillars of Eternity team is doing, even if it's just in teaser form. Uh, I do think we'll get 
the gameplay reveal of Everwild, and I'm with you, uh, uh, Brandon on, or was I can't remember if it was Brandon or Destin on uh, Hellblade. I think it's yeah. Hell, it's time, yeah, it's time to see proper gameplay after their excellent reveal at the Game Awards. And um, somebody, I wish I could properly give credit for this. There was a Twitter follower, listener of the show. We'd been talking about Forza a lot, and just in, in terms of we assume that it's a launch title, like it's they've already had a year off. They must be launching Forza with the console, taking that extra year to next genify it. Well, somebody had tweeted me saying, well, you know what? Maybe they're not because look how much attention and sort of marketing Microsoft has been giving to Dirt 5. And that's a launch. That's a that's a holiday window title. And they're doing 4K, 120 frames. Like if Microsoft had their own racing game, would they really be pumping up Dirt 5 that much? And I thought that was a really good point by that yeah, listener. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm now sort of, I'm now thinking, well, maybe, maybe turn 10 is really kind of, I don't know what they're, if they're just rethinking the structure of the game or, or if they're just completely rebuilding their tech or what's going on. But I I, I do think we will see something from turn 10, you know, something from Forza, but maybe it's not actually going to be, uh, the other, the like one B launch title alongside the one A of Halo Infinite. Going to be curious to see how that pans out. All right, great predictions, everybody. That was good. It's good stuff right there. Uh, let's see. We'll uh, what's next on the docket? WB. Uh, we've been <laughs> teasing it already. So I'll just uh, I've been talking a lot. Let me throw this throw it to you guys here. But per a report on Reuters coming via a site called The Information. Reuters uh, via The Information reports that Microsoft is now in on the talks to acquire the WB Interactive Studios, which includes Rocksteady, (laughs) NetherRealm, Monolith, and Avalanche, among others. So I'm not familiar with The Information. I don't know if they're you know, kind of what their track record is for good or bad. I'm not saying anything about them, but for me, this story gained legitimacy by Reuters picking this up because their Reuters is, does not peddle in BS. They are a major reputable news organization. So uh, I think I think that's why we've got a legit story here. It is all rumor for now, but uh, we talked about it last week with with EA, uh, Activision, and 2K, and it does seem that Microsoft is now getting in on this uh on this game so destin yes, what do sir. you make of this you're a you're a mortal combat fan you're a nether realm fan you like injustice as well so what do, what do you think of i mean will it happen should it happen and what do you think of the possibility should it happen i think if microsoft were to go ahead and purchase uh these studios it would be a a tremendous win With a caveat, you have to realize they don't get licensing rights to the characters in Injustice, the characters in uh, Shadow of Mordor, a lot of those games that that are incredibly, yeah, like Batman, the incredibly popular characters, but they get Mortal Kombat and they get all of Mortal Kombat's characters. Mortal Kombat was a huge seller Mm -hmm. uh, for Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, Definitely. I think it broke records. Like it was like the best selling Mortal Kombat ever or something. I remember Ed Boon tweeted about it. So isn't it, <laughs> yeah. isn't it basically the best selling fighting game series as well? Potentially. So Probably. that would be huge. 
And they still have that option to license out those IPs for a cost. Mm -hmm. Now, those studios are tremendously talented. And if they could lock that up with Microsoft, that would be hugely profitable to them. Now, PlayStation fans who might also be watching the Unlock show where we talk about Xbox might also realize that, hey, Microsoft owns Minecraft. But Minecraft isn't locked on the Xbox platform. That's that's on everything. Mm-hmm. I think they would acquire these studios and still allow those properties to come out cross-platform. I don't think they would make everything Xbox exclusive, but there could be some sort of timed exclusivity involved. Um, I, I think it would be an absolutely huge win for them. I think it would be very expensive to make happen. AT&T isn't going to sell them for cheap. Yeah, the ru- the initial rumor was four billion dollar asking price. Is it? Uh, now, that's, Star, that's Star Wars money. It, well, yeah, I mean they paid so Microsoft paid two billion for Minecraft for yeah. for Mo- for one so, IP. It's actually but, kind well, of a right. deal. It is. That's, I mean, when you're getting four mm-hmm. four plus super talented studios and Mortal Kombat. Yeah, and the Mortal Kombat franchise. That's uh, there's a lot to be said there. Miranda, what do you where are you with this? So my thoughts kind of went exactly to where Dustin went with Minecraft and the idea here that it wouldn't be just necessarily an exclusive to Xbox. Uh, And I like that a lot. Like if a first party were to pick it up and say, now you are our studios, that they do have that open idea of like sharing their IPs, um, especially if it's something that's existed on multiple like platforms for forever. And then if they were to suddenly close off, be like, nah, sorry, this is only for Xbox and PC. That would be... I think a little weird and not really in line with their branding. And so I, I I do like that. That would be a possibility if they were to acquire these studios. Um, Honestly, like more talent's always great. Um, I, I think we, we, when we talked about this previously, we're saying, Hey, as long as it's not EA, so (laughs) still in line with that. Uh, Brandon, how about you? I mean, I, I agree with this and that 4 billion is, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, do I think that they'd find the ROI on it? Yeah, I I do. Same with the 2 billion for Minecraft, you know, um, I, I feel like spending $2 billion on a IP is, well, and a studio really is, is probably the reason that that is, uh, on every different platform under the sun, only next to Skyrim, as far as where you can play it. I don't think it's hit refrigerators yet, but, um, (laughs) You know, you gotta you gotta make your money back on that. Mortal Kombat seems like the shoe in for that. Although I totally love the idea of you know whether it's a three month, six month, or even a year exclusive in the Xbox ecosystem, especially if it would be within like the first two years of the console life cycle, right? It would give people a reason to be like, all right, well, I'm gonna adopt it because Mortal Kombat 12 looks incredible. But the other thing I want to point out is Monolith, famous for the Shadow of series. Rocksteady, famous for Batman. What do the core gamers that, you know, are being targeted by Sony so effectively, what do they play? They play cinematic third-person action games. They play gritty action games. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm digging into it, Brandon. Monolith also did Condemned, one of Ryan's favorites. And they also worked on uh, the Fear series, which was a really popular, like, sort of scary first-person shooter. shooter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that little girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before uh, that, before that, real quick, before that, they did No One Lives Forever, which yeah. Phil Spencer said on this show that he wanted <laughs> to see come back. So maybe, yeah. who knows? Go maybe ahead, Brandon. Maybe a little t- tip of the hat, or maybe it was <laughs> in a way. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, $4 billion, that's a lot of money. But you know, you put Mortal Kombat out, you market it on every platform, and then you have the Rocksteady and Monolith teams making third-person action games. And Avalanche is here. And normally I would jump on it, but I know last week I made a mistake and called the Avalanche the wrong Avalanche. So there are multiple Avalanches, Avalanche I. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know which one this is. Is this the Mad Max one? No. No. Okay, there the we Harry go. Harry Potter RPG one who previously yeah. did, uh, I mean, that's what they're working on now. They previously yeah. did Disney Infinity, among right. other things. So it'd be interesting. I think paint, oh, see, that's a great question. If you buy, if you buy these studios, right, and you get the team currently making the Harry Potter RPG, do you then have to license the Harry Potter uh, license along with all the DC characters for Injustice 3 alongside... Lord of the Rings alongside Batman. Like, do you have to also pay for the licenses on those? I yes. Think that, that'll yes, be interesting. the answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, instead, potential buyers will have to negotiate licensing deals so studios like Rocksteady can still create new games based on DC Comics or any other Warner Brothers characters. Right. And, and when I ask, do you have to license though? What I mean is, is, will there be some sort of consideration built into the deal when you purchase these studios? Like, Hey, the first year of licensing is free or, or Hey, you know, here's a reduced cost. I'm, I'm curious if they're going to set up the infrastructure to allow whoever buys these studios to continue allowing the studios to do their work. But for me personally, I think this is a slam dunk. I know. I mean, Ryan, you and I do that fun little exercise where we look at the most profitable uh, companies, you know, in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Microsoft is always like Microsoft could buy Sony several times over. Microsoft oh, could yeah. buy several companies several times over. $4 billion is a lot of money, but if Disney can spend it to get LucasArts and Star Wars, and we've seen how that profitable, how profitable that is for them. My, my only concern is this would primarily go into the Xbox division, right? This isn't coming. This isn't the Microsoft. It's not going to help the software business or the Azure business. It's not going to, you know, buying these studios is not going to do anything to Windows 11. So I'm very curious to see what happens as far as whether or not they want to put that kind of money into the Xbox, you know, division to to make this purchase. If I was calling the shots, if I was Phil Spencer and the people who Phil Spencer works with to spend $4 billion, I would do it, but I'm not. So I'm very curious to see how this goes. Well, I am completely with you, Brandon. The, the, here's how I look at this. At the, I sort of touched on this a little bit last week, but I want to really make it clear now. Like Microsoft, they've they've been showing, to your point, Brandon, they have been showing a commitment long term to Xbox and to gaming by the fact that they've gone from what it was like four or six studios to to fifteen in the last two or three years. So the commitment is there. The fact of the matter is. Talent like what's on the what's uh, on the block right now, uh, nice. Rocksteady. I mean, Rocksteady, with all due respect to Microsoft's teams that they have now, you could make the case. You know, maybe I don't. Maybe say three four three or the Coalition or Playground, but you could argue a strong case that if Microsoft does this deal, Rocksteady instantly becomes the most talented team that they own. So that's like. It's you know it's just like a major NBA superstar just suddenly hitting free agency out of nowhere, and every team had you know you've got like well we've got the salary cap space like let's we got to sign this guy he'd make us better so you know Rocksteady Monolith uh, NetherRealm that the that caliber of talent never hits the open market I mean if 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 a studio is getting sold 
most of the time there's a lot of times there's at least a lot of times there's something bad attached to it like something's gone wrong or you know uh, there's going to be there's like a mass exodus or whatever but this is this is just this is a corporate overlord five yeah. layers above time, time warner right yeah. that's like well we've got uh, we need to move a bunch of money around so let's just pawn off the gaming division but to your point also brandon they uh Yes, you'd have to if you're Microsoft, you'd have to pay licensing back to AT&T to use the WB and DC characters and properties, but there's a mutual interest there. AT&T's going to want more video games from uh, you know, they're going to want their Harry Potter game and their Batman game and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. They're going to want that stuff out there and Microsoft would want that content. Like so there is yes, you'd have to cut AT&T in on the deal. But and you and you make some good suggestions on like well maybe you know we don't know how what goes on behind those yeah. boardroom doors of maybe there is like a like a kind of a, a you know a nice arrangement made where it's a discounted thing or there's like a some sort of you know window some of the things that you outline maybe, there yeah maybe based on units sold or something I right really, I have no idea how licensing works yeah or you know if they to Miranda's point if they do still decide to publish some of this stuff on PlayStation as well like they have with Minecraft it's it goes into Game Pass day 1 so it's still a selling point for the Xbox platform or if you if you're a subscriber you don't even have to buy the game so just to me that's that's really it is if Phil may not have planned to spend another 4 billion dollars on studios and and there are many business complications of and maybe the CFO just says, no, you can, we can't do that. But, <laughs> but, um, but if, you know, if Microsoft is willing to open the wallet some more, I just think I'm so with you, Brandon, it is a slam dunk. It is a complete no brainer. You absolutely, these four plus studios would make your, your platform, your brand so much stronger. And, and that's not even to include like, there's stuff we're not even thinking of, like, yeah. like technology sharing. Like if if you buy Monolith and they've got this killer AI system from the, the Nemesis system, I just say Nemesis. You could, system. Yeah, you can you 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 can share that technology to other Microsoft developers who might want to do something cool with it. So there, you know, and, and whatever maybe Rocksteady's got some some secret sauce stuff that that could be shared among the Xbox groups. So. I just think, yeah, you you just have to pull the trigger on this, Destin. I found the stat I was looking for. Mortal Kombat 11 was the fifth best-selling game in 2019. That includes uh, physical and digital. So other games on that list, number one was Call of Duty, NBA, Madden, Borderlands, then Mortal Kombat, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Smash Bros., Kingdom Hearts, Division 2, Mortal Kombat 8. So it is... It's right there in the middle. So yeah. they, they launched Mortal Kombat 12. Basically, you've made what a large chunk of your <laughs> your investment just, back. Yeah, well, just, that's one game. Yeah. And, and to, to reiterate the point, I, I think that, you know, a, a game like or a series like Mortal Kombat kind of has to go third party. Right. Like you lose you lose more from not putting it on other platforms than you you gain by bringing people into your platform. But I will say, imagine a world between 2021 and 2024 where Mortal Kombat, Harry Potter, Batman are all, and, and whatever the next third-person uh, third action game from Monolith is, are all Xbox exclusives. 
Could happen. It could That's happen. Uh, now, to the fighting game point real quick uh, before we move on to the next topic. We have seen this. We saw it uh, very recently, not, not that long ago. Street Fighter V was PS5 exclusive and still is, right? It never, I believe it never came to Xbox. Is that correct? Or maybe know. maybe there was like a super version that eventually did. But yeah, I wonder how how that financially went for Capcom in the end. I mean, it was definitely yeah. a big, a big get for them, but yeah, I mean, if you lock, if you put you, if you kind of make that trade off of your Microsoft, well, we'd make money on every PlayStation five copy sold, or we lure a ton of people into our, <laughs> into our ecosystem right. by, by keeping it for ourselves. So yeah, I came to windows and PS4. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Okay. Oh, no, windows. Windows. Yeah. So not Xbox, not Xbox. No. Okay. Dustin, is Mortal Kombat PC day and date? Or is it usually console? Uh, I think it was this time. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, It was close. I know that. So there you go. Uh, we're going to be obviously keeping a very close eye on this because, yeah, I just I think if there's, if there's any way that Microsoft can financially it justify it, you got to do this. It's just insane to me because they've gone on a buying spree for the last three years. And the the metaphor that I've been working on my head is it's like uh, upgrading your house, right? So you redo the kitchen and then you redo the bathrooms and then you redo the backyard and you landscape. And then you find out there's a crack in the foundation. So the most expensive part of the whole renovation is at the very end. And at that point, I like, have you already spent too much money? I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, that's it's not as easy as we want to like fanboy make it out to be. Of just well, yeah, yeah they're a trillion dollar company. Of course, just, they'll spend four billion dollars. But find the document. But uh, it's so it, easy. It definitely excites me that that Microsoft allegedly has has gotten into the mix on this. So if, if they do, I would just like them to consider that Rock City should make a Batman Beyond game because everyone would buy and it'd be great. That's all. They would just putting that out in the universe. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think it would be akin to like into the spider verse as far as revitalizing a brand oh, in a new yeah. way. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent on good. board. That'd be good. Oh yes. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, we are running long here, but that's okay. We can go for the 70 minute version of unlocked, <laughs> uh, which we do have the choice, the option of doing NBA 2k 21 coming to series X will be, $70 for the next-gen version, Series X and PS5. 2K and Visual Concepts announced NBA 2K21 will be released on current-gen platforms on September 4th. And while it won't arrive on PS5 and Series X until holiday 2020, it is being built from the ground up for next-gen systems. As such, 2K21 will not support smart delivery, meaning there will not be a free upgrade to next-gen if you purchase the game on Xbox One, which, okay... If it's a different game with different features and it's built from the ground up for next gen, that's understandable, I think. Uh, however, if players purchase the the ninety nine dollar Mamba Forever edition with Kobe Bryant on the cover, they will get the next gen version at no extra cost there. So if you do spend more up front, you'll uh, you won't have to buy it again on next gen. Now. Uh, Interestingly here, the research firm IDG Consulting has said that other game publishers are also considering price increases for their games on NextGen. Speaking with GamesIndustry.biz, the IDG president and CEO, Yoshio Osaki, explained how game pricing has, quote, remained flat since 2005, 
whereas TV sure. and movie pricing has increased significantly. The last time that next-gen launch software pricing went up was in 05 and 06, of course, when it went from 50 to 60 at the start of the 360 generation. Osaki adds, during that time, the costs and prices in other affiliated verticals have gone up, including, uh, and then he also notes, production costs have, have seen an increase of two to 300%. Uh, he, he cites movie ticket prices have gone up 39% in that time. Netflix subscription costs have gone up hundred percent. Cable TV packages have risen by 105%. So there's a lot to chew on here. What do you guys make of this? Miranda, I want to go your way first. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take it back to NBA 2K21. Uh, I am a little confused on they're saying, okay, well, we're building in for the ground up for next gen systems. So to me, that says it has to be like a significant change to be something that isn't compatible with a free next gen upgrade. Like it's not just graphical. It's something like in the back end as far as like systems and how this game plays to be constitute like a whole different game. Uh, otherwise, I feel like it's just not really super fair to the players that want to keep playing this game between both generations. Um I am curious to see what they say with that uh, Mamba Forever edition. If you actually have to keep any of your saves from that, like, is it non-transferable even though you get a free upgrade? Uh, so I would like to hear a little bit more about that. Maybe they have said it and I just haven't run in, into it enough, but um, I will have to double check on that. But that is a curious thing to me because it kind of feels like it's maybe not, I, I don't want to say that not honest, but I think it's it's just surprising given everyone else's I guess, stance on this. Like so far, we haven't ever heard somebody say, well, because we're building it for the systems, which everyone else is, I would assume, like they are making their games to be good for the next-gen systems, that they're also doing smart delivery. But for some reason, NBA 2K21 can't. Um, so that's my first thing. I'm, I'm a little like, hmm, okay. Uh, as far as game prices go, I'm not really surprised to see a price increase. Like we do know that progression is only getting bigger. Obviously, like look at the kind of games that we're getting now. They're massive. They're long. Like you pay, yeah, a sixty can be a lot. But like as we know, if, if the price part is a, is a problem, games go on sale. If you're playing on Xbox or a PC, you have Game Pass, which is a huge, I think, even more of a deal now, just because you're getting these massive games. You know, part of subscription. Um, so I think. It's like hard to say. Like it's fair. It's like more, I guess, understandable, right? I think some of us are saying, "Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Series X is more than like what we paid now." I think I would understand that it would be six hundred at least, or rather than five hundred. Although I would like five hundred, um, and so I think that applies to games as well. However, I would like to say that I would like to see games priced a little bit more variably. Um, obviously, we see these smaller games and indie games going from anywhere from like, I paid $3 for a game and it was so great. And this is just just nice experience. Uh, but then also like $60. And then we see, you know, $40 games being announced. I think that's something that should be taken advantage of a little bit more often. And I would like to see publishers consider that as well. Brandon Tyrell, where do you stand with this? <clears throat> I agree with Miranda. I think... Um, <clears throat> I think we're in this predicament because the the middle of the pack sort of fell out of the video game industry last generation, uh, where you had, you know, games that were targeted at high, medium and low price points. The medium really couldn't sustain itself, which is why you see the indie ecosystem is just sort of, you know, the five to ten dollar range. Um you know, there are exceptions. Absolutely. Right. You see 30 and $40 games all the time. But for how many games are actually developed every year in the thousands? Um, 
<clears throat> I think that I think that it's crazy to think that this sort of hobby that we all love is anything other than a luxury hobby. And I'm saying that as somebody who understands I'll have to pay more for video games. Um, so I'm okay with the price of this entertainment luxury hobby going up. However, what I do know is that a company's goal is to earn profit. And so while I think that price going up is great for the developers, it's not, it's not going. Do you, can you honestly tell me that if games hit $70, developers are going to start being paid more? They're going to have longer development cycles. Crunch is going to go away. None of that is true. What's going to happen is these companies will be more profitable than ever. So while I understand that that's the case, I do think that it makes sense for you know, a medium that is as big and popular as it is to increase in, in price, right? Uh, over, what, 10 years now? So yeah. you know, I, I think whether or not whether or not any of us agrees with it, I think $70 is going to be the new norm. And I think that because 2K already announced it. And if, you know, since it's a free market, a company will charge as much as they can in order to get people to buy their products, right? I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. A company will charge as much as they can while uh, still uh, assuming people will buy the product. So if 2K just now announced that they're going to do $70, you're insane if you don't think every other publisher is sitting there looking at 2K and looking at the audience reaction to it and looking at the market reaction to it to see, is this something that we can get away with? Is this something that's going to be okay? Or is it gonna, not going to be worth the hassle? So I think $70 is going to be the new norm moving forward. I don't think it's a good or bad thing. Um, I think it's just sort of the way that the market is going to be dictated because we're in the position that we're in, you know, prices haven't gone up in a long time. Publishers are now testing the waters. And if there is enough sentiment from the audience and the, the core demographic who buys these products that, yeah, I can pay an extra 10 bucks. Um, and this is all us. I know Canadians have a whole different system and let's not even get started about the Euro. Um, I think, I think that, you know, it will be normalized before too long. I would, I would expect by 2021, 2022, $70 is just the price point. Uh, you make a really good point that I hadn't even thought about with regard to, uh, for lack of just a general term, working conditions about about crunch and that's, yeah, you, I sorry, gosh, I, I got I got a little carried away. <laughs> no, I, I it's that's a that's a I thought it was a tremendous point. I I wish you were wrong on that. You know, the yeah. fact that you said that it, that nothing's going to change, but it's probably not. But yeah, wow, ex, that's an excellent that's an excellent side to it. I hadn't even really thought about Destin. Do I like this? No. And I think the dialogue that they're trying to put around it is kind of BS. The casual gaming market has a profit margin of 90%. That's from back in 2009 Business Insider. They had a 90% and we saw that's mostly from virtual goods, right? So they're already making hands over fists. And I'm like, okay, that's a pretty old article. Let's dig into the revenue share from EA from last from this year. They had a 12.04% increase year over year, that's a profit of $1.38 billion. And EA is the one publishing this NBA game and claiming like, oh, you know, inflation no, no, and all this that. this is 2K, not NBA. Sorry. Yeah. Well, whatever. And, and keep in mind, Destin, the casual gaming audience is primarily mobile games. So you're, yeah. you're talking Farmville, Candy Crush, uh, Kingdom Battle, whatever that, Clash of Kingdoms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, games that are developed and then have games of service lifetimes where, you know, they, they rake in millions mm -hmm. and millions of dollars every month. 
Well, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that for the last 12 months, EA made $5.53 billion, an 11.86% increase year over year. So their profit margin is going up and has gone up every year since 2018. It looks like they had a decline in 2018. Every other year, it's an increase. So overall, they are up 25% since 2018. So that this idea that they have to increase the base price of a product, I, I fundamentally disagree with. And to your point, Brandon, it's not going to fix crunch. It's not going to fix the problems with the industry. It is strictly a profit margin play so that they can look better to their investors and people are going to pay for it. Just like they pay for the virtual goods that they consistently say that they don't like, right? But People just buy it because the average consumer doesn't care. They see a cool skin. They want to buy it. And yeah, man, it, like I get it. The world's about making money. That's what business is all about. But you're, you're up 25%. How much is enough? That's the thing, too, is like we're, we're not in a position to tell a company you make enough money, you know, right. as consumers, that's not our we can. And again, you've heard it a million times, but like vote with your wallet. If you don't like something, don't buy it. That is the sh most surefire way in order to get somebody to understand your point and, and as far as this relationship goes, right? Goods yeah. and services as a consumer. Right. Uh, Good. To your point, though, like that's such a hard thing to do, too, because like then you're reaching out without the space. Like that's not just the space that says we don't like this thing. And when we say it loud enough, which, which has happened in the past, things change. Uh, but when you're looking at something as big as like Call of Duty, or something, that goes far beyond anybody who listens to this show. Right. Like that goes to the people who just say I show up for this one game every year or I show up for these few franchises and I'm going to spend my money on this is because this is what I enjoy and I want to keep. I guess supporting it or doing whatever with it. And I'm going to keep paying for it. Um, so like reaching those people, that's like the hard thing. And this, this kind of takes us on a little tangent, but there's this one mobile game that I actually play that I really love. It's a fashion game. And there have been like community protests of things that they try to implement. They say, this is not fair. You did not do this on other servers around the world. Like this is not okay. And like, sometimes things change. And sometimes like the, the developer of that will like put out a statement saying like, Oh, we're not going to do this anymore. Cause it's not fair. Uh, or like, because we heard of what you guys said. Uh, so, so to Brandon's point, yeah, absolutely. Things could change if there's enough people saying voting with your wallet, not doing something, but that is a very hard thing to make change like across the entire industry. Cause it is such a big thing that goes beyond uh, gamers who play a ton like us. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, my, I get that like a gallon of milk costs more now than it did 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Right. And, and the price of things does change. There's, I mean, I actually looked up, so uh, sneak preview, I'm at, I'm writing an op-ed, an opinion piece for IGN, right? Uh, not literally right now, but it's, there's a draft of it going around to uh, our features team right now. It'll be up either today or tomorrow about this very topic. So I have a lot of thoughts. I don't want to uh, blow the whole thing here, but um, so I did look up inflation. So just on basic inflation, just taking everything else out of it, uh, sixty dollars in uh, two thousand six money is seventy six dollars now. So from a sheer inflation perspective, that it does make sense. But uh, the thing is, like, the timing of this, yeah, couldn't 100%. be worse. We are t we are depending on what economist you want to talk to. We are either in or teetering on a global recession brought on. Uh, objectively by by a a worldwide pandemic 
for which there is no real end in sight at the moment. And people are millions of people are out of work. Uh, it is, you know, it is a it is a very economically uncertain time right now. So for game publishers to say, oh, our next gen stuff, 70 bucks. I mean, again, there are justifications for that with development costs and, and inflation and everything else. But I, I would, I would love to see some, some sort of, uh, quid pro quo on it really. Like in terms of, all right, if you're going to raise next gen prices to 70 bucks, how about you you stop reaching into my wallet every 10 seconds with a microtransaction after I buy the game? 2K specifically, digital revenue raised 41% 2019 to 2020 digital year. They made $3 billion there as of March 31st, 2020. 2K, thanks to games like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, and NBA 2K, among several others. That's from uh, Gama Sutra. They're making money. They're selling digitally. They're doing all that stuff smartly. And now they're also increasing the price $10. And is that going to result in higher higher pay for their employees? No, they're still going to go by the industry standard. Is that going to result in less work hours for their employees? No, they're still going to have to work just as hard on these games. I, I don't feel good about this. If they could explain to me why exactly and what improvements are going to be made about their working conditions or, or their games for that $10, Maybe I'd be a little bit more interested in it, but when you're when you're already making three billion in profit, and this is going to push you to four billion in profit, and you have these industry problems that aren't being addressed, and mm-hmm. it just feels gross. Yeah, sense. and yeah. Uh, even on that note, the uh, the it's the case for the seventy dollar next gen game. the The first game to try and make that case, NBA Two K is probably not the best game to try and be the first one to make that case. There is a literal casino gambling in the game in right now in 2K20. So that's that's like the the optics on it are bad even if they do have some points, some legs to stand on in their argument. So, yeah, it's a really complicated situation. Uh but I guess the point of us discussing this is not only to I mean, it's, it's a it's a healthy, good discussion to try and hopefully get our audience thinking about uh, all different perspectives on this, but but also uh, to prepare everybody out there listening to this. Like, whether you like it or not, this is probably coming. Yeah. So um, <laughs> my my piece that I'm writing now addresses a lot of this, but also then okay, well, what can you do as a gamer? So uh, keep an eye out for that, but. Yeah, really, really fascinating topic here. This is, uh, and and we're going to be talking more about this in the coming months. Finally, this week, let's see, we've got eight minutes to go. You know what? Let's let's see. Let's hold off on that. Uh, And hilariously, I forgot to grab a trivia question for this week, so we'll just do the loot box then, because we didn't actually we didn't have time for that last week. How am I doing Uh, on trivia, Bat? There, I'll here, tell you here. real quick. That's the worst. <laughs> I, I got a trivia question for you. What am I holding in my hand right now? <laughs> a Yeti microphone. Oh, you son of a... It's my <laughs> other hand. <laughs> no, I already won. Sorry. Uh, Brandon 7, Miranda 5, Destin 4. This that has is... to be an accounting oh, error. Man. There's no way that I have seven points won. You got... You there's got no way I have more points than Miranda. I've been off too every now and then. And then sometimes we don't do trivia. That's true. By the way, it was a mask. It was a, it was a face mask. Wear your mask, everyone. Please. There, there you go. For people yeah. around uh, you. 
Uh, so let's see what we got. We've got six minutes left. Uh, Dan McPhillamy, who we heard from last week with the Unlock Block Trivia, he also sent in a good loot box question. His gamer tag, by the way, if you'd like to add a friend on Xbox Live. Danny1993, with a space in between Danny and 1993. And Dan writes in, seeing as Nintendo has gone in its own direction in recent years, Sony and Xbox are the only genuine horses in the console race. I mean, I don't quite agree with that, but we'll, yeah, for the I mean. sake of... Yeah, but see, his his question is, do you think there's a chance there will ever be another console contender to come in and genuinely compete, or are we locked in a contest with these three companies forever? And there's my meeting for in 10 minutes from now that I have to get to. So we have, right, we have just a few minutes to wrap up, but... Uh, real quick, I'll go. I'll go Brandon's way first. Do you do you ever see somebody besides Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo really cracking uh, the the into the console race? I don't know. It's hard. I think yes, but it won't be Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, and X. It'll be the future of whatever the hardware we use. Look at VR. It'll be the future of whatever that hardware is. There will be new players in that game. Um, just because consoles are a loss leader. First of all, you make a console to sell software. That's how you make the money. And secondly, just getting into the market space, it, there are only a handful of companies that could do it. Microsoft being one of them. Look what happened to the Dreamcast. Look at Atari. Look at all the other consoles in history. It takes a lot to earn your way into a, a market. And I don't think anyone's got the money or is passionate enough to lose money for long enough in order to make their their put their flag into this console space. So no, I don't think we're going to see another console as we know them now. But I think in the future, when consoles change and evolve and they're just a wire you plug right into your spine, um, I think we're definitely going to get some new players in the space. Yeah. Miranda? Uh, totally agree with Brendan's point. I mean, you kind of look at like what Google's doing right now with Stadia, right? Like that's just a thing that exists. It's evolving. Yeah. It is It is changing. And I, I we'll see what happens with it right now. It's kind of like a, oh, yeah, that... Uh, their games are, there are some, I update that list every now and then for a guy and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see how that plays out, but I don't think it's going to be a system as we know, like Brandon said, I think it's going to be something else um, eventually, even then maybe. I don't really think there's a way to compete at this point. Destin? Will another serious contender compete in the console market? Uh, one did that's not on his list. It's right here in my hand. It's the iPhone. It by far has the highest profit margin of any platform. Well, I mean, it's a device that is portable that you can have in your home, right? And question. Like, is, do you yeah. think Apple or anyone else is going to make a set-top box that's dedicated Apple to playing Apple did. They have the, uh, the Fire TV that has a whole game library set up for it. That's Amazon. No, Apple has one also. Apple. No, but they have Fire TV is Amazon. Yeah, but the Apple, the, the, the Apple box Apple or whatever. The, the Apple TV thing is what I meant. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, yeah, so so they have one, but I don't I don't think anybody's ever going to come into the console market. I think to Brandon Miranda's point, it's evolving. Like Stadia is the, is what we're going to see enter the market, and as internet connections get better, that technology is going to continue to improve. And as we get more and more devices that are more and more powerful that fit in the palm of our hand, I, I think that's more where the market ends up going as opposed to to consoles. It's just not it's not cost effective to design a console and totally. enter the market. Why well, spend all that money to get in? Yeah, I mean, we saw yeah to, to Brandon's point, we saw Microsoft they they willingly paid a multi billion dollar price 
to get in with the original Xbox, knowingly losing money, a lot of money, on mm-hmm. every Xbox, original Xbox they sold, just so they could get the foothold and then start to try and make money with the 360 and beyond. And I've, I can't remember what it was. I, th- I feel like some, maybe it was some point midway or well into the 360 generation when the Xbox program as a whole finally broke even black. yeah mm-hmm. it took them many 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 years and yeah I'll, i'm gonna stick with the group on this i mean really the only companies to all of your points that are even capable of muscling their way in are it's basically it's apple it's google it's yeah. amazon that's it i mean there really isn't anybody there isn't probably, another yeah there's probably some chinese mega firm out there but yeah, it's uh yeah the the price of admission. I mean, it's kind of like it's almost like a smaller version of of the automotive industry. Yeah, like absolutely, it, no no, it took like Tesla was the only one in the last 50, 50 plus years to actually successfully break in because it's such an expensive, tough industry, and, and it's. And- yeah, and back to the point, they didn't even break in the traditional way, right? They broke in with an evolution of a product right. that you know wasn't being serviced. So I think right. to Destin's point, to Miranda's point, to your point, that's where we're going to live. We're going to live when the next big breakthrough comes through. We're going to see new companies get in. But as it is right now, it's a closed club. I don't think anyone else can spend that kind of money outside of four companies. And honestly, it's not that profitable. Why? Well said. Uh, good job, Dan. Excellent question. If you've got, if you're a listener out there and you've got a loot box question, something you want to post to the panel, and also unlock block trivia questions, you can send either or both to unlocked at ign.com. If you're sending in a trivia question, please include four multiple choice answers and note the correct one in your email. And I will try to remember to play next week. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on Twitter. If you'd like to follow me there, look for my op-ed piece either now or very, very soon uh, as you hear this on the $70, the idea of the $70 next-gen game. Brandon. Hey, I'm on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell. You can find me there. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, stay sane. Wear a mask if you go out, please. Destin. Twitch.tv slash Destin at Destin Laguerre on Twitter. Back in the IGN swing of things, I'm writing an op-ed about Destiny, actually, and I plan to do a little bit more of that. Love it. Miranda, take us home. I'm Havoc Girls on the Tavic with a K on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Um, I would just like to give another shout out to all of our cyberpunk coverage. I'm still super proud of that. I love that we got two whole previews, so if you guys haven't checked those out, please do. We also have some great video pieces up as well. Um, and other than that, please use IGN guides because we work really hard. Yes, indeed. Seconded on that one. All right. This was unlocked 451 for Destin, Miranda, and Brandon. I'm Ryan. Uh, we've got, it's going to be a really, really fun month and beyond of Xbox coverage. So stick with us. We're here to have a lot of fun with you. We'll keep you up to speed on everything going on in the world of Xbox. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.